Ever wonder what it's like to be a professional athlete and then go to medical school? Or how about some tips to get those great letters of recommendation? I interviewed George, one of our first-year medical students today, on Talking to Missions and Med Student Life with Dr. Chan. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. And I've got a great guest today, uh, one of our uh, first-year med students named George. Hello, George. Hey, Dr. Chan. How's it going? Doing well. Um, so, George, uh, you know, you just started med school a couple months ago. Yep. All right. And uh, I know you've kind of had a very interesting journey to get here. So... Can you help start walking me through that? When did you far, first start thinking about medical school? Um, well, honestly, it started a, a long time ago. Initially, when I uh, started undergrad, um, I was on a pre-med track. Um, and because of a few different factors, I was playing soccer. Our season was in the fall. Um, I couldn't take some of the classes, so I kind of got pushed into engineering. Um, and I went through my undergrad career um, and ended up playing soccer after college. Mm-hmm. Um, played soccer for three years. And uh, kind of towards the end of that, um, started making a transition away from that, you know, back to figuring out what I really wanted to do. And uh, that interest in medicine kind of popped up again. And so I had to go back to school after playing soccer. I had to finish my degree, get all my pre-med classes out of the way, mm-hmm. and then and then apply. So it was a bit of a, a long journey for me. Yeah. Well, I think you're being modest here, George. You say play soccer. Like, so let's talk about your soccer career first and then kind of segue yeah. into medical school. So how old were you when you started playing soccer? Uh, when I started playing it, uh, five years old, six five years, years old, old, maybe. Okay. And then when did you start, you know, because, like, you know, I talked to a lot of people, and a lot of people have dreams about, you know, getting a scholarship at college, playing a sport. Like, when did that kind of become a reality for you? When did you realize, like, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this? Um, I don't know. As far as playing in college, I you know, I was kind of starting at around age 12. I started being pretty successful with soccer. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I quit playing baseball and kind of quit playing a couple other sports to focus on soccer because it was almost year-round. Um, but kind of, I don't know, when I was 16, 17, um, I you know, was doing well in high school, doing well with my club team. Mm-hmm. Um, my team from my hometown was actually pretty good, so we you know won state a couple times. And, and you're up in Idaho, correct, at this yeah, time? Where yeah. in Idaho? Uh, in Idaho Falls. Idaho Falls, okay. Yeah. Um, and so then I kind of started trying to sell myself to colleges, really. It's tough to be found in Idaho Falls, really, because mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of schools recruiting there. So I had to put together, like, a little video, and I mm-hmm. sent a bunch of stuff out to all these colleges. And <laughs> that sounds like fun. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. My mom would record all the games. and mm-hmm. um, Did you set it to music? Uh, did we set it to music? I don't think we set it to music, but we did. I had a friend whose dad did video editing. Oh, cool. And so he, like, put in, like, my name and would do, like, transitions between shots and stuff, and... So it was actually pretty good, and uh, it worked out. And so I ended up at Gonzaga. They saw me at a tournament in Las Vegas, and, and I ended up getting to play. I was the only team that actually offered me a chance to play. Well, that so. worked out well. I mean, Gonzaga is a fantastic school. It is. So, um, so you went to Gonzaga, um, played soccer all four years. Yep. Okay. And then, at what point during your soccer career did you think, "Oh, you can probably take it to the next level"? Um, that was I don't know my. Freshman and sophomore year were pretty successful. Junior was pretty successful, and I think maybe my junior senior year, I knew that there were professional teams that were coming to some of our games in California mm-hmm. to watch, um, and our team was doing well. Um, and so it was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, my coach told me a couple things that that I needed to do, mm-hmm. and uh, my senior year, I ended up getting invited to the MLS Combine. Mm-hmm. 
Major League Soccer. Major League Soccer Combine, which, you know, you kind of fly in, go to Florida. Wow. Stay there and, like, play four games over the course of a weekend. Um, And all the MLS coaches are there just watching you. Um, And I did really well in that. And so after that, it kind of of happened really fast. It's kind of a thought, Mm -hmm. and you hear things, and then all of a sudden it's kind of on its way. And so... Wow. So how many people are at the Combine? Um... There's probably, let's see, maybe four or five teams of 20, so 80 to 100 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it kind of like, you know, I've heard combines called it like a meat market. Like you kind of like, you have to run and you have to like, you know, you get poked and prodded by people and you have to like be interviewed by, you know, is, is it kind of like that or how oh, would you describe yeah, it? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we, I mean, we had, you know, the first afternoon in the hotel, like everyone's up in a room getting like physicals and like mm-hmm. doing this and that. Um, teams can like call you at any time and have you come do like a little interview mm-hmm. um, where they just, I don't know, ask you weird random questions and just get to know you a little bit. Um, and then other than that, it was just kind of playing games. But, mm-hmm. you know, you go to these games and they're in these big stadiums, but no one's there except for, you know, a whole side of just MLS coaches. Yeah, scouts <laughs> just, riding furiously. They're just yeah. like looking at you and like <laughs> taking notes. And yeah. So, yeah, it's a little bit, you know, yeah, you feel like a little bit like you're on show, you know, behind a glass wall. But Did you have any, like, teammates from Gonzaga, or did you know anyone there? Uh, I did not, no. I was the only one from Gonzaga. Um, There were a couple other players from the West Coast Conference, which is a conference we played in. So I had played against them for four years, and I knew who they were. Um, A couple other guys that I had played against. Um, So the soccer, I don't know, the soccer world is kind of small. In Mm -hmm. some small way, you know a bunch of people. But no, I was the only one from Gonzaga there okay. that year. So, I mean, I, that sounds like an awesome experience. So, you yeah, got invited to the Combine. Obviously, you did pretty well. I mean, and then how many teams, like, interviewed you or showed you interest? I mean, it sounds like it's almost kind of this weird dating relationship, you know? Because, yeah. like, you know, they're putting their best foot forward and you're putting your best foot forward and they're going to pick, hopefully, you. So, tell me about that. Yeah, it's, it, it is. It's sort of you never know really what's going to happen. I don't think they know really what's going to happen. Um, so I only, you know, I had a couple teams like call me up and interview me. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the team that I ended up getting picked didn't even, I mean, they didn't interview me at all. They didn't talk to me over the course of the weekend. Um, funny how that works. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it all depends on, you know, who ends up getting picked and who they're looking at and what positions they need. And so, you know, it's like any other draft. No one really knows kind of what's, what's going to happen. So how, how much later after the combine was the draft? Uh, the draft was the next weekend so i think i left the combine i actually left the combine and went straight to the where they were having the draft they had this big soccer convention called the nscaa convention okay um and i was getting some sort of um senior athlete award or whatever and they they were flying me out and getting me a a hotel room there um so i went straight from the combine there i had some family it was in dc had some family there and then um i think it was like midweek the next week like a wednesday or a thursday or something mm-hmm. so it was pretty soon after okay and did they just call you uh yeah they actually so i i didn't want to go to the like you could go to the draft i didn't want to like go and <laughs> why not be the guy that like didn't get picked and okay. was like sitting around and so um we my dad actually came out with me and so we were kind of walking around the convention and he's a soccer coach so he was looking at all these he was really interested in all this other stuff um and I kind of like poked my head in and watched what was going on and then uh, just was kind of walking around. And actually, my brother was like listening to the draft on the Internet or something, and he heard me get picked. Mm. And he actually called me before 
he like called me he's like whoa yeah you just got picked by the crew and i was like what are you talking about like i don't know what's going on and you were he was gonna play, pull a prank on you or yeah something. i was yeah. like yeah. oh man because mm-hmm. i literally i had literally just left it um and so you know we kind of talked for a bit and i like hung up and then they called me mm-hmm. um so they you know they kind of do the draft and then just call you mm-hmm. cool so columbus crew columbus crew yeah uh, so ohio have you ever been to ohio before i had never been to okay ohio. That was my first so time. and then when did training camp start uh, so this or whatever was, they call it. Yeah, there. this was in uh, mid-January. Okay. Um, and then training camp started from when they called me. I think it was a week, a week and a half. Okay. Um, so it was pretty quick. So, you know, I had to – I had kind of already made the decision that if I got drafted, I was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to go back to Gonzaga. I had to, you know, deal with all that stuff, drop out all my classes, mm. like move all the stuff out of my room, like deal with all that stuff. And talk about your desire to become a physician. Where was that at that time? I mean, did you feel like it was just on hold, or were you worried if you went off down this path of soccer that you would never get back to being a physician? I mean, what was going through your mind at that time? Um, I mean, at that point, I had kind of had in my mind, you know, starting my senior year and my junior year, that this was a possibility, and I was going to try and pursue it. So um, I think anything besides soccer especially school kind of when I made the decision to go, I knew that school is something I could come back and do. Okay. Whereas soccer at that point isn't, you know, it was an opportunity for me to go do something. Mm-hmm. I couldn't turn it down. And then a year later say, Oh, Hey Columbus is, can I come now? Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those things where I knew that school could wait and I could come back and do that. Mm-hmm. So, and did people know about your desire to become a doctor or you kind of kept that hidden when you were playing soccer? Um, I didn't really no, I didn't keep it hidden, Okay, but I didn't, it wasn't like something that I expressed. I mean, I was doing, I was an engineering student, um, but I was, you know, like any, I, and I loved engineering, but like any college student, I didn't really have a great concept of, um, when I was done that I would like be a practicing engineer. Okay. Um, or I didn't think of the practicalities of that. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't like a, a majorly expressed desire, but it was mm. just kind of something that was in my mind. Yeah. So tell me what, what's it like to be a professional soccer player? What was that like? Uh, it's great. There's a lot of great things. I mean, you, you get to focus everything on playing soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it takes it up to another level. Um, but it also puts a lot of pressure on you because, you know, you're getting paid and there's a lot of, um, a lot of people who are willing to take your place. And so every day in practice is just at the highest level that you've ever played. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's good. That's good and bad or good and tough Mm -hmm. makes things difficult. Um, but you get to, you know, you live with your teammates, you travel with your teammates, you have, you know, that great support group, um, mm-hmm. make a lot of friendships. And, yeah. um, I loved it. I mean, it was a great experience. How long were you in Columbus for? Uh, I was just in Columbus for a year. A year. And what happened after that year? And then after Columbus, I went to Portland. Okay. I played in Portland for two years. Okay. So what, what, you know, just thinking about your progression as a, as a athlete during that time, did you enjoy Columbus more or Portland or are you just kind of different phases? I mean, um, I enjoyed, I mean, I definitely enjoyed Portland more okay. living in Portland. Um, with Columbus, I liked, I like living in Columbus. I really like my teammates. Um, but it was my first year and our team was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, I didn't get a chance to play much. And so that was kind of the first time in my life that I just didn't get many opportunities. And so that was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, finally getting to this level and then having it just not be the experience that I wanted. Um, and then when I got to Portland, um, things were different. I, you know, I did well and I was successful and I got to play mm-hmm. day in and day out in games. And so 
those combined things made Portland a lot a lot okay, better for cool. me. And what position were you playing? Uh, I was forward. Forward, cool. Yeah. Tacking, striker. Yes, All right. scoring goals. <laughs> Fun. Well, well, when was your first goal? Uh, my first goal uh, was in Portland okay. uh, against Vancouver. And uh, actually, my dad was out for that game. I think it was the first game that I had started that year. Awesome. Um, and it was it was pretty cool. My brother was, like, listening on the radio. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was a good night. Wow. So did you get to keep the ball? Uh, no. You does, it, get, does it work like that? Or? You don't get to keep the ball. Um, but they do this unique thing in Portland where they have this uh, sort of mascot of sorts um, called Timber Joey. And he's a guy that dresses up like in lumberjack gear and like runs around the stadium with like a chainsaw. And after you score a goal, they have a big log laid out and he cuts off a big chunk of the log. Mm -hmm. And then you get the piece of the log after the game. You like go to the crowd and like everyone cheers and you like hold up the log. And (laughs) so at one point I had a bunch of logs like sitting in my locker room. (laughs) Right now I really wish I had kept some, but I kind of just left them there and let them. You don't have any of them? I didn't keep any of them. Oh, I, that's too bad. It's hard to lug a log around. Well, you could well, you could just cut one up and say it was, but you know, yeah. no one of us would know. So, right. yeah. It would have been fun to like get one signed by all my teammates and stuff, but yeah. Yeah. didn't have the foresight. So, you know, what's the best place to play at? And what's the toughest place to play at? Um, best place to play is Portland. Portland has I hear that the home crowd is quite intense. The home crowd yeah. is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, and that was home crowd for us, so of course I'm a little biased, but mm-hmm. Um, their fans are pretty incredible. Um, other tough places to play, I mean, Seattle has really loud fans. Um, I always enjoy playing in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those are kind of the ones that pop in my head. What about Real Salt Lake? Uh, Real, yeah, Real has good fans. They okay. they get a pretty good turnout, and they're a good team, so they're 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 easy for the fans to support. Now, when you were coming here, did you ever think, hey, I wind up in medical school in this city one day? Or was <laughs> no. that was that too early in the process? No, no never even crossed my okay. mind. Okay, never. <laughs> but I, I was hoping there might be some cosmic link where you looked up and saw the U on the side of the mountain. Yeah, so. that would have been that's stuff from the movies. Though. Okay, all right. Um, any good stories you can share about your playing days? Um, that uh, we we can share with a wide audience. <laughs> Well, I don't any good team pranks or I have a I ha- kind of have a good link story. Sure. Um for sorry, it's isn't quite with me, but actually this year um a a teammate that I lived with and played with in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh his name's Steven Lenhart and he plays for San Jose Earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Uh and they played here in uh at Real Salt Lake well, I don't know 3 or 4 weeks ago, maybe 3 weeks ago. And uh, so I met with him and had dinner the night before. We were sitting around just talking about, you know, we catching up on things. And we had, it was a, one of our classmates' birthdays, and we had a bunch of people going to the game to watch it. Mm. And so I told him I had a bunch of classmates going. And uh, he's like, all right, well, I'll score a goal for all you guys. Because they're all Real wow. Salt Lake fans. <laughs> I was like, all right, well, if you score, you have to do some sort of med school dance. And at that point, we were, like, working on our vital signs or something. So I told him that he would he should like run to the crowd and like check his pulses, like his carotid pulse and like his radial pulse. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of laughed about it, like, mm-hmm. okay, that'd be funny. Yeah. And if you were in the room, you'd see George checking his pulses right in front of me. So that, yeah. was, that was great technique, George. Yeah, Fantastic. Technique. Yeah. And uh, so we get to the game the next day, and there's I don't know, there's 15 of our classmates, and then a lot of people are from Utah, and so they're all Real Salt Lake fans, and we're kind of talking back and forth. I'm rooting for San Jose for my buddy, and uh, right off the bat, he scores a goal. Mm-hmm immediately and so he does it and everyone likes freaking out like i told him he would do it and everyone didn't believe me 
So he did the little, you know, check the pulse and then like did a little dance and uh, then Real Salt Lake scored and then San Jose came back and my buddy scored again. <laughs> wow. So he scored two goals wow. that day and uh, San Jose won two to one. Oh, so wow. That was Well, that was bad for fun. Real Salt Lake. Great, great for your, you know, yeah. your friend. And yeah. Your, yeah, it's great. It was, a, it was fun. So, so two years in Portland, and I guess the question, because you know I like sports. Most people, you know, know somewhat about sports. It's like something that unites us in a way, and and you know something I've always read is like when when professional athletes decide, you know, now is the time to kind of walk away and do something else. Like, how did you come to that decision? What you know, what was what was happening? Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a it's a hard decision for a lot of guys to make because a lot of guys are in, you know they've left college early or they've mm-hmm. played soccer their whole lives. They don't really know what else they're going to do, and they love it so much. So it's it's a hard thing to, to leave, and all those thoughts are going through my mind. Um, but I kind of told myself when I started, I would every year kind of check in, okay, where are you at? Where are you going? Mm-hmm. Is this where you want to be going? Are you developing how you want to develop? Um, all those sorts of things. And after my last year, I had struggled a little bit. Um, hadn't progressed from my second year the way that I would liked and didn't give myself the opportunities going forward that I would have liked. Um, so the, the opportunities that I had to continue playing didn't really excite me. Um, and I kind of took a long-term approach. There are a lot of guys that are, you know, 36, 37 and have just kind of scraped by in soccer and their bodies are falling apart Mm -hmm. and they haven't finished school. And now what are they going to do? And I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, so it was sort of the decision kind of to move on with something else now while I'm younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's tough because once you leave that, you know, there's pretty much no going back. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a hard decision, but I, t- you know, to this day I'm happy I made it. I think yeah. it was the right decision. So you decided to kind of go back to Gonzaga and do some pre-med recs, it sounds like? Or, yeah, I or also, had to, your degree. also had to finish my yeah. undergrad okay. and had to take, you know, I was engineering, so I had to take you know, organic chemistry and okay. more general chemistry and biology, stuff yeah. like that. George, that's a great story. I really appreciate you sharing that. I yeah. Mean, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you know, it sounds like there's a, a growth and maturity and, you know, you've kind of struggled with some things that I, I don't think a lot of people do at your young age. And I think that's just beautiful. So, yeah. all right. So you decided to come back to Gonzaga, finish your pre-med recs. Um, and how'd you end up here? Tell, tell me the kind of the journey, like how the university of Utah kind of came into the mix. Um, well, it's when I was looking at schools to apply to, um, actually living in Columbus kind of gave me this perspective. Uh, I was pretty sure that I, I wanted to try and stay out West. Okay. Um, just kind of a West coast guy. I just like mm-hmm. the way things are out here. Um, so I was trying to find schools in the West that I could apply to. Um, and Utah is, you know, close to home three hours away from Idaho falls. Uh, I'd spend some time here. I really like the area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of got on the website and started looking at the school and seeing what it's all about. And mm-hmm. and uh, it was definitely on my list of schools to apply to. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as an Idaho resident, there's eight positions reserved for Idaho mm-hmm. residents. Uh, we have a contract with Idaho. Idaho does not have their own medical school, but us and University of Washington will continue to help out Idaho. Right. So, um, wasn't there anything particularly onerous or challenging about our criteria? Um. Yeah, I did. You know, I, I was lucky. I had uh, my younger brother actually is in med school, and he's two years ahead of me. Oh. So luckily I had him to sort of um, 
give me a bit of a heads up on what I need to start doing to get okay. ready. Okay. Um, as far as starting to get into doing some research, starting mm-hmm. to get into doctor's offices and shadow um, and those sorts of things. So luckily I started that early. Um, and he also, you know, told me to get on, uh, schools websites and start looking at what they, what they require. So I did get on Utah's website and Mm -hmm. saw all the requirements that they have. Um, and so those were kind of things that I was already doing and interested anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the biggest difficulty for me was we had a committee letter Mm -hmm. at Gonzaga. Yeah. And so that had pretty much covered all the other schools. And then when I got to Utah's application, I had to get these um, separate letters aside from my committee letter. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of the, you just kind of have to buck up and do it. I just mm-hmm. had to ask all these people from, yeah. you know, people who had contributed to my co- committee letter, but I had to kind of say, can you write an individual one for yeah. me for this school? And then just to kind of talk about that, because I do recognize that that is something different about our criteria. Um, and we do ask for a lot of letters. We require six. Uh, we did make a change for this year. We used to require three academic and three supervisor letters, and we've changed it now to two academic and four supervisor letters. We were getting a lot of feedback, and I agree with this, that more and more of our applicants are nontraditional, and they wanted to have another opportunity, and they want to have another opportunity to have a, a supervisor letter of their choice. So we've kind of made it a, a swing letter. So. Now, now, unfortunately, didn't benefit you, but this year you can have a coach or an employer or you know your commanding sergeant or something like that write you another letter, and that replaced one of the academic letters. Okay. Um, and you know our our committees, we do put a lot of weight into these letters, and just to emphasize how important they are, um, our philosophy is is that if your letter writers really get to know you, they write you excellent letter. Letters of recommendation, and George, you had fantastic letters. So even though I know it's on- onerous to go around and collect those, um, they just spoke. Uh, they just sang your praises. Yeah. So you know something I tell people when they're preparing for medical school is, you know, you're paying tuition, you're on scholarship, what have you. That gets you access to these professors, and you should spend as much time as you can with them. Because I don't care what you do in life, med school, law school, get a job, whatever, you will always will need a good letter of recommendation, and. Go up to class, get to know your professors, visit them during office hours, things like that. And so, so yeah, letters of recommendation can be difficult. I know it's hard for people to go around and ask. And, and you know, the first question is, will you write me a letter of recommendation? Second question is, will you write me a great letter of recommendation? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very shocking to me. I, I don't get the sense a lot of people ask those questions because we get a lot of letters where people, you know, say, hey, I'm like so-and-so is going to be great at your like law school or veterinary school. Hey, we're <laughs> a medical school. Sometimes the name is wrong. Uh, that kind of breaks my heart. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're very short. Sometimes they come out and say, I don't know this person. Yeah. I think they sat in the third row of my class. I never talked to them. Yeah. That's not very strong letters. But, look, George, your letters are fantastic. Yeah. So, Well, George, I know for a fact that you got into other medical schools. I'm, I'm delighted beyond – measure that you came here what kind of influenced your decision what, what how did you kind of make that decision because i know a lot of people out there you know kind of struggle with the same thing they're going to get into multiple schools how 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 would you recommend you kind of sift through the information and decide um yeah it was honestly for me um a lot of the schools that i got into i had got into the previous fall or early in the spring mm-hmm. and so by the time decision day came around in may um, it had been a long time since I had been to those schools. And a lot of the other schools weren't great at giving me information. I, you know, I had got, okay, you have to make this deposit. Okay, you have to sign up for our student login services through this. And 
Um, that was about it. Mm-hmm. And so I hadn't gotten any great information. So, you know, I was had joined, like, Facebook groups. Most of the time you get in, you, get, you join into a Facebook group. Um, but that's mostly, like, student info, like mm-hmm. students chatting about things they want to do. Um, and so, honestly, for, for me, Utah was the best school at providing me information about what the school is about. So mm-hmm. when it came time to make a decision, I had been on the Facebook page. I had had all my questions answered, um, specifically a lot of times by you, Dr. Chan. Sometimes I just send emails and I would get responses right away, which yeah. was awesome. You asked great questions, George. You, asked, oh, you helped me grow in my job because you asked good questions that I told you sometimes emails. Like, I don't know the answer to that. Give me some time yeah. and I'll, I'll get back to you. And yeah. So, and, yeah. Well, and that response was great yeah. because, uh, you know, other schools didn't even have that person that I could mm-hmm. email. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had been to a second look day here. And so by the time the decision came around, this was a school that I had um, the most information, I had the most connection to. I just had a better feeling about it. And uh, I took the approach of I wanted to just kind of wait as long as possible. And I didn't really actively, like, think about it and, like, eliminate schools. Mm-hmm. I just kind of let the thoughts sit in the back of my mind. And as time went on, I would just think, okay, yeah, I've been thinking about it. You know, I don't feel great about this school. I feel a little better about this school. Mm-hmm. feel a little better about this school. And uh, just kind of let it take its course. And by the end, it was just kind of a clear decision. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy. George, I'm happy that you're here. And let, let's talk about, what, you know, so you're two months in. And and I know there's a perception. You know, it's hard because, you know, there's a perception of what medical school is like. And I can give you as much information as I can. I can try to answer your questions. But then to actually go to medical school, then you kind of like, um, experience it. And so what's your experience been the past couple months? Um, my experience has been great. Um, it's been one thing. I think my classmates have been awesome. They've been, um, different and better than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of them really well. Uh, so that's one of the pleasant surprises. You know, you, you move somewhere and you move into a different group of people and you just kind of hope you assimilate well. And it's been, I think it's been really great for everyone. Um, as far as school goes, it's been, you know, I, I took a year off before I started. So, you know, kind of getting back into the swing of school mm-hmm. um, and not just normal school, medical school, mm-hmm. trying to figure out. I think the hardest thing is trying to figure out how how you bet you're best going to study and learn in this environment. Um, so it takes about one to two weeks, I think, to figure that out. Yeah. And you just kind of have to go trial by trial by error. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, once you figure that out, you kind of get into a groove and, and it's, it's really busy, but it's really fun. And, and there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, there's opportunities to do anything you want. Mm-hmm. So there's not enough time to do all of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, you can fill up your time with whatever you want. Yeah. How do you feel? I mean, what's your, what's your routine like? I mean, what, what time, uh, what time do you wake up? What time do you usually go to class? How much um, are you studying? Because these are questions I get a lot when I'm out there. Yeah. Like, people are just very curious. Like, you go, how do I manage all these different things, you know? And I know you're very, I, I know you're very engaged in some of the other extracurricular activities. And so how do you kind of balance all that, I guess? Um, yeah, it's, you know, you just have to make your priorities. I'm, I'm pretty good in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have class from 1 to 5, so I typically get up pretty early. I mean, 7, 7.30. Mm-hmm. Um, and get a lot of studying done before class. Um, in the mornings and then, you know, sometimes I like to get out and go on runs and bikes and stuff like that. Um, and then we have class from one to five and then in the evenings, I usually take some time off to, you know, we have an intramural soccer team. We have a group that goes on bike rides. Um, there's always, you know, different 
different interest groups or clubs that have mm-hmm. activities going on in the evenings. Um, so you kind of have to pick what you want to do. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's opportunities to volunteer on the weekends and, you know, before school. And, and so it's kind of, you want to balance getting those things done that you're interested in doing, but then also, you know, taking time to do your own thing because, you know, if you're going 110 miles an hour at all times, you just can't do it. And that's your choice. You, you know, so I think some people maybe do do that. Some Mm -hmm. people do, you know, every email they get, they respond and say, yes, I want to do this. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's their thing. But for me, that's not, and that's my choice. So I can organize my time so that, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, I have some time to sit down and watch a football game or something. So, um, I think that's the biggest takeaway message is you have the opportunity to do as much as you want to do, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. So you can find time to just do your own thing. That's excellent. And just, you know, a couple more questions. We're almost out of time, George, but I really appreciate your time because obviously you're here and not studying, so I hope (laughs) I'm not detracting from your studies. Um, You know, you just got done with an OSCE. Can you just tell people what an OSCE is, what it stands for, and, and, you know, like how how do you prepare for something like that? Yeah, Yeah, the OSCE, we just had our midterm OSCE, which is a test on our um, clinical skills. Um, So we did uh, a history, a patient history, um, where they come in with a complaint, Mm -hmm. and you ask them about, everything about the complaint they have, like, you know, mine was abdominal pain. And so you ask them, you know, when did this start? How does it feel? Can you tell me where it is? What is the, you know, all, there's a bunch of different criteria for what you're supposed to ask. Are these real patients or? Uh, they're, they're standardized patients. So they're actors okay. acting as patients. Okay. Um, but they're pretty good. And so they're pretty convincing. Yeah. You can they take in, pride in being good like that. Yeah. yeah. You can go in the room and kind of convince yourself it's a real patient. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of fun. Um, so you take your history, um, you know, family history, surgical history, all this other stuff. Uh, and then we also did a full exam too. So we did, um, a lung exam, vital signs, a heart exam and an abdominal exam. Um, and we had 30 minutes to do it and it's, uh, it seems like a long time, but a lot of people were trying to struggle to get it in. And so it almost takes 30 minutes to do the whole thing. Um, but it's kind of. You know, it's kind of nice. You put on your white coat and you go in, you mm-hmm. do your exam. You feel like a real doctor. You kind of feel like, you know, you know a little bit what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, we're kind of getting the process down, so it's not as much actually listening to the heart and making diagnosis or anything. Um, but it's kind of getting the structure of an exam down and mm-hmm. what you're supposed to be looking at. And, and I think OSCE stands for Objective Structured Clinical Exam. Yeah. And it's over on our third floor of the uh, Health Science Building where we have more or less – recreated a physician's like exam area yeah and so it's and exactly it, like a doctor's office exactly down to the little sink where you wash your hands yeah. if you don't wash your hands you lose points right because we know we're, we're all about hand hygiene here yeah. so um and there's someone in the room grading you correct mm-hmm. okay all yep. right very good so awesome and do you practice on each other other med students or how do you practice for something like that yeah, you you know we have every Wednesday normally we have our clinical skills lab where we go up and we have our preceptors, um, you know, faculty physicians that are working here at Utah that work with our small groups and we get together and you know they kind of tell us what what to look for and what to do and then we practice on each other while they're looking at us and they say, oh you know I I don't do it this way you should do it this way or mm. this is what I think is beneficial. Um, and then, yeah, you know, working up to the exam, people are, you know, going over to each other's houses and doing physical exams okay. or after class, we'll find an empty, empty classroom and practice on each other. Mm-hmm. And 
some people practice on their family members or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, just, you know, because the more you practice it, the more you just feel comfortable when you get in there. Correct. And I guess the last thing, George, you mentioned soccer intramurals. Um, so our medical school has an intramural team. Are you like a ringer? Like during warm-ups, are you just kind of like stumbling around, pretending not to know <laughs> what you're doing, and then, you know, the whistle blows and you're like, boom. Uh, yeah, you know, I try and slow play it a little bit. I mean, no, probably no one out there really expects me to go out there and do anything. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fun. We, we have some good players actually. We have a couple of good players and, um, I think we're right now, we just finished the regular season. So I think playoffs start soon, but I think we've won three, lost one and tied one. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been really fun. My only goal is you have to beat the law school and business school. Are they fielding teams we just, this year? We just beat the law school. I hope on that Wednesday. felt good. Yeah. It did feel good. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Really good. Well, well, George, thanks for coming in. I appreciate you talking, and uh, thanks for sharing your story. It's it's a wonderful story. Yeah, so, thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio online at thescoperadio.com.